Hello, church family. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Jared. I'm the worship leader here at Leroy UMC. This week, we are starting a series titled God at the Movies. And the first movie we'll be diving into is Bruce Almighty. Let's go ahead and send it over to Pastor Matthias. There's a famous quote that at different times has been attributed to everybody from the French philosopher Voltaire to Mark Twain. And the quote reads, In the beginning, God created man in his own image, and man has been trying to repay the favor ever since. (laughs) Whoever actually said it, that person wasn't just being very clever and witty, but in many ways, they were also being very accurate. We do create God in our own image sometimes. Or at least, that is to say, we all imagine God in our own image sometimes. Now, I know that may sound a bit shocking, maybe even borderline blasphemous to say, but think about it this way. We all think and imagine things in ways that make sense and are familiar to us. And so when we try and picture what God Almighty might look like, it's usually in ways that make sense to us. And that's been true throughout most of Christian history, from medieval artists who imagined God as a great warrior king dressed in battle armor, to Michelangelo's painting in the Sistine Chapel of God as an older Italian gentleman with a long beard stretched out on clouds, we can only picture God through the lens of the time period that we live in. We can only understand God in terms of the norms that make sense to us. And when the average American thinks about God, they are most likely to think about a wise, calm, reverently powerful, yet compassionately loving figure with the voice of Morgan Freeman. (laughs) Bruce Almighty came out in 2003. It is almost a decade old. That makes me feel really old. It was an instant success. It made $484 million across the globe. And 18 years later, it remains a movie that church youth groups everywhere can quote almost perfectly. The image of God that Bruce Almighty gave us connected in a powerful way with audiences. It left a genuinely lasting impression on our cultural imagination, and it did so because it was an image of God seen through the eyes of a 21st century American. A wise, humorous, loving grandfather makes sense to us and may even be exactly what we hope our Lord is like. But here's the question that that movie clip leaves me with. And the question that some of you may even be asking yourselves right now, even as you fight the urge to imagine Morgan Freeman narrating the Israelites marching through Exodus like penguins marching through the Antarctic, is it right to imagine God like us? Should we depict God in ways that are familiar, in ways that make sense, and even resemble us? 
That's the question we're confronted with every time we encounter a depiction of God at the movies. The question behind every film, every painting, every drawing, every sculpture, every piece of art that has ever imagined God. The way we imagine God matters. And is it right to imagine God like us? Believe it or not, the earliest Christians actually didn't think it was right. For the longest time, in fact, Christians refused to depict God pointing to Scripture passages like John 1.18 that says, No one has ever seen God. Or Exodus 33.20 that says, No one can see God and live. Actually, it wasn't until the Renaissance that artists started to become comfortable with the idea of imagining God. And the reason for their objections, the problem that they had, was the fear that any image we might make of God might become an idol. It's the fear that what the way we imagine God might be mistaken for the God. And that is not necessarily an unrealistic or hypothetical possibility. That is a problem that has come true more than once. Just think about Jesus and the way that we imagine our Savior. I walked around the church building this week and found there are at least nine paintings of Jesus Christ in this building. Bonus, bonus points if you can find them after the service in a scavenger hunt. But there are at least nine paintings in the building, and while none of them resemble what Jesus of Nazareth, a first-century Israelite, might have looked like, nearly all of them do resemble us. I even brought a couple up just as examples. This one is from our chapel. Believe it or not, this is actually the single most reproduced image of Jesus Christ in history. It was painted in 1940, and it has been replicated more than half a billion times since then. There are churches in Africa that probably have this painting hanging on the wall. And that's great. That's not a problem. Except it is important to note that this man looks like his name is Sven Olafsson. He comes from Denmark, and when he's not saving your soul, you can find him managing an Ikea. Or possibly possibly modeling for extra silky shampoo. I'm not sure. <laughs> there was another one left uh, in my office. Now, admittedly, this gets maybe a little bit closer to what a first century Israelite would have looked like, but all the same, it still looks like Jesus just hopped off of a surfboard and is ready to chill on the beach for the evening. I think our youth director, Steve Ward, captured this one perfectly. He said, it's Matthew McConaughey, Jesus. <laughs> and it's okay to laugh at these things. It's okay to poke a little bit of fun at the way that our paintings of Jesus are sometimes unlike the flesh and blood Jesus Christ. It's okay to have that fun. It's okay to laugh in church. But the problem is... Not everyone has always laughed. In fact, sometimes people have not been able to distinguish between the image we create of God or the image we create of Christ and the real God, the real Savior that we worship. And sometimes that has happened with disastrous consequences. 
How many women have been told, no, you can't serve, lead, or speak in the church by people who pointed to Michelangelo's painting in the Sistine Chapel and said, look, God clearly is a male. You can't represent him. How many churches in the 1800s, 1900s were divided and segregated because one group of Christians could point to a painting on the wall and say, Jesus looked like me, not like you, so you need to go worship somewhere else. The way we imagine God matters. So is it right to imagine God like us? That's a heavier question than you may initially think. Each of those three scripture passages that we heard presents an image of God that would have made sense and would have been familiar to the authors who wrote them and to the people who encountered God in them. In Genesis 18, there's Abraham, the patriarch, the founder of our Jewish Christian faith, who lived in basically a Bedouin society of tent communities in a desert climate where travel was a way of life and hospitality was everything. And at that time and place and in that culture, it would have made perfect sense that the Lord appeared to Abraham as a traveling stranger, looking to see if God's faithful servant would be a faithful host. Centuries later, in Isaiah 6, Isaiah, the great prophet, found himself living in the kingdom of Israel at a time of great empires. And in that royal world of kings and queens, it only made sense for Isaiah to look up and see God seated on a great throne in a royal hall, surrounded by a whole heavenly host of servants, all chanting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. There are dozens of examples you could think of, moments in scripture, in history, when God appeared but appeared in ways that made sense, could be understood, and above all, could be recognized by the ones God appeared to. Again and again in Scripture, God shows up not only in ways that make sense, but sometimes even in ways that resemble us. Sometimes God appears and looks like us. However, it's not until the very end of the story that I think we get a glimpse of the reason why. Centuries after Abraham and Isaiah, in a time and place of, to be honest, unbearable suffering and loss, the disciple John sees one of the most profoundly beautiful and memorable images of God that you will find in all of Scripture. It's worth hearing twice. John says... I looked and saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, and a loud voice from the throne said, See, the home of God is among mortals. God will dwell with them. They will be God's people, and God himself will be with them. And maybe that's the one missing piece 
of the puzzle, the one silver lining of real hope behind that centuries-old question of whether it is right to imagine God like us. God so often appears in ways that are familiar. God so often moves in ways that we can understand. And God so often plants a desire in our heart to imagine God like us because God is not just like us. Our God is with us no matter who we may be. We all imagine God as we are in ways that are familiar to us, that make sense to us, in ways that speak to who we are and to what we go through in this life. And yes, it's true, terrible things have happened and can happen when we mistake our image of God for the God. The image we create can never become the creator, but the great joy to be found, and the incredible gift on the other side of that risk is the joy of knowing that, yes, we can and maybe we even should imagine God like us because from the moment God first appeared as a familiar stranger to Abraham, our God's greatest and ultimate vision has always been to be a God who is among us and with us. We worship a God whose first greatest blessing was to make us in God's own image and say that we were beautiful. A God whose greatest miracle was that God couldn't keep apart from us, but actually chose to join us, become flesh and blood like us. And a God whose last chapter in the story of salvation, whose last scene in the film of redemption is one in which a voice from the throne can tell each and every one of us, I will be your God, you will be mine, and no matter what makes sense to you, no matter what is familiar to you, no matter what your culture, no matter your time period, no matter what you look like, no matter who you are, I will be with you. It is in our nature to imagine God like us because we are made in the image of a God whose nature is to be with us always. So may we imagine God. May we imagine a God who looks like us, a God who is white, who is black, who is Asian, who is Latino, a God who is male and female, a God who speaks English and Swahili. May you, this week, find the grace to imagine a God who laughs like you, who cries like you, who struggles like you, and above all, who loves like you. Because no matter who you are, where you come from, or what you look like, Yes, our God can look like you because the miracle is our God is always with you. Thanks be to God for it. Amen. Friends, please pray with me. Holy God, in our daily routines and in our life-changing moments, help us to always see you. 
Help us to see you where we are because you are beside us. Help us to see you in whatever we face because you are for us. And help us to see you as we are because you love us. Lord, this morning give us the faith to discern the ways that we need to imagine you like us as we discern the ways that we need to know you are with us. And Lord, as we come to recognize you, may we grow to understand the face of our hope, our deliverance, and the God who is among us. In Christ Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Again, thank you so much for joining us this week. From us here at Leroy UMC, God bless and keep you safe this week. Go in peace. (music) 